Right. So the second you make that statement, you've proven that you failed as a communicator. Yes. Do yeah. not let someone gaslight you, you know, convince you of something that is not true, that is actually true, um, to doubt your own sanity. Do not let someone gaslight you by using that phrase. Call them out on it and say, okay, what was your thesis? What was your right. main point? And how am I misrepresenting that main point? Welcome to Wikipedia. Wikipedia is a ministry of enemies within the church. And of course, you can find out more about enemies within the church by going over to enemieswithinthechurch.com. Once again, that's enemieswithinthechurch.com. And over there, you can find all kinds of resources and you can even go and, well, you can purchase the movie Enemies Within the Church, which would highly encourage that you do that because there's so much to be gleaned from that film. You can watch it time and time again. And when you watch it, you should definitely be watching for none other than Kyle Witt, which, of course, like always, we have here. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing, uh, well, doing good enough overall. There's a lot of things going on in life, but you, you know, you tackle them. You have the Lord by your side and you have his church. So there might be challenges, but they're climbable mountains. Uh, so I'm doing good. I'm excited to be here as always, and I legitimately mean that. I enjoy the the time that we have together in the recording, the time we have before we start recording, which usually ends up being longer than the recording itself. It does. Um, but it, it is legitimately good. I look forward to this every week, getting a chance to record with you, as well as cover important topics. But Sam, how are you doing this week? Yeah, you, you know, Kyle, I'm I'm doing pretty good. At, you know, life, life, like you said, it, it comes at you pretty fast sometimes, and uh, because of that, I'm really glad that we do have a God who is ready for everything to help us uh, get through anything and everything that we might be facing. Uh, he's a present help in a time of trouble. Don't necessarily have anything, you know, super crazy that we're going through at the moment, but it's, it's just, you know, one of those busy seasons in life. I was mm -hmm. just talking to that, uh, before I, I, I jumped on here with the recording with you as I was talking with Sarah and we're like, man, looking at our, at our calendar, we're like, man, there's a lot more written on there than there is free days. So, uh, <laughs> oh, that, that yeah. makes it busy, but uh, it's always good to be serving the Lord. So that's, that's good. And that's exciting. And, uh, you, you know, I, I, I've been wanting to ask you this question. Ooh. I know it always makes you nervous probably when I say that, but, uh, what is your favorite part of enemies within the church? You, you know, I, th I think about that, uh, you're, you've got an interview that's in there and it's, it's really impactful going over the missions stuff, but, but what is your favorite part of enemies within the church? Boy, that can be a difficult uh, question. And, you know, it's easy to say, oh, there's so much in there. I mean, there is so much in there, but saying what's your favorite part of something that's so heavy. It's like, you know, you ever been on social media, like Facebook or something, and someone posts that they're, you know, my, my mom just passed away and you're, and there's that one person that hits the like button. Yep. Yep. I, but I've like, actually been that person before. I'm sure. Yep. Uh, but this is going to be sound a little bit different. But it's the one part that comes to mind immediately because of something that we're currently doing here, um, which is I keep going back to the story that Pastor Kerry tells in it uh, about the the family mm. that that was murdered. Mm -hmm. Now, one that's an emotionally impactful portion of the film, but we're currently doing an outreach program for the local kids in the area. We just started one at our church. Uh, my wife is really taking the head, taking the lead on that. And there is so much darkness there out is. there right now. I mean, it's just, it hurts the stuff you hear, the stuff you see. And, so not only does that, that that portion of the film impact me, 
makes me think about um, the challenges that we might face and some of the challenges we are facing doing a program like that. Mm-hmm. But it, it does help recenter you. Absolutely. All this, this woke garbage that's just abusing and attacking people's minds. And look, there's already so much darkness in the world, church. Let's stop going around and chasing these you know, these gross ideologies, and let's get back to helping these people, helping these people that need to know about Christ, that need hope in their life. You know, absolutely, and that that is a a super impactful part of enemies within the church, just an incredible illustration, something that uh, really, you know, I've gotten to know Pastor Kerry quite a bit. That that is an event in his life that really shaped his life, uh, in all of his his speaking out publicly and, and really going and wanting to reach out and rescue um, people, and of course to to change and to call the nation to repentance. Mm-hmm. Because if if our nation was really built upon the the foundational principles that it was supposed to be built on, if it was living out those principles, this is how maybe I should put that. That incident wouldn't have happened, you know, where there was a man who came in and he murdered this family uh, with a hammer. I went and, you know, crushed these children's skulls and and it was children that they were they were really going and reaching out to. Uh, just I, I think it was a few nights before he, he was uh, playing with them, maybe a week before something like that, playing with them at the park, uh, going and, you know, pushing them on the swings and all kinds of stuff. At least that's a visual that's that, that that's given there. Um, but it's incredibly powerful and impactful. And of course, from that tragedy, there is great hope uh, that comes within that film. And so I just would encourage everybody to go. And if you have not seen it yet, to go and to purchase that at enemieswithinthechurch.com. And of course, I believe you can uh, you can stream it right there, um, or you can order the DVD or even the Blu-ray, um, which, as Kyle pointed out a few months ago to me, DVDs and Blu-rays are not the same things. So, uh, so, so you can go ahead and you can find that at enemieswithinthechurch.com. Uh, but today, Kyle, we're, we're going to be talking about, you know, how the woke manipulate. It's one of our episodes on how the woke manipulate. We've been doing this series uh, for, I, I don't know, how many how many have we done? Have we done about six or seven of them now? Uh, this or, is episode nine, I not, think. Nine. So wow, we've done. I might, I might have my I numbering thought. off by one, but it's it's at yeah. least eight or nine. Yeah. Well, I I was I didn't want to say more than more than what we had done. Uh, it, I was try, I was being conservative. You know, I was doing price of right. Uh, you know, one dollar. Um, <laughs> didn't didn't want to go over on that, but uh, <laughs> but we look at it, we've been doing this quite a bit, and that's because the woke do really manipulate. Um, but this one is is. What is their point? You know, is kind of how we're looking at this. Uh, look at the thesis. And uh, do, do you just want to tell us a little bit, how do the woke manipulate by, well, not telling us what their thesis is? Or <laughs> I, I, yeah, there's a lot of different ways we're going to be looking at this, but but I, I, just give us a general overview on how they manipulate through the thesis or lack thereof. So this is a little bit of a different one because we're actually going to be covering a bunch of sub points, um, mm-hmm. a bunch of different ways that all relate to, as again, Sam said, the idea of thesis, the point, what do you want to communicate through whatever uh, medium you're communicating with word, um, written word, even music, a film, blog post, news article, whatever it is. What's the point of what you're writing? And there's a bunch of different ways related to that, related to thesis, that they manipulate. Now, we like to give you examples as much as possible. But because we're going to be covering a broader topic and a topic that, you know, you have to look at the entire body of the work to understand it, it's harder to put an example in here. But one that you can go to from an episode we already did is our episode on the little red hen where a author at the Gospel Coalition <laughs> just it goes on a tirade about the little red hen, and then it's so weird. But go listen to that episode if you want to see a breakdown where we, we show a, a piece of content, and one of the big problems 
is with how its thesis is presented. And you'll be able to connect it as we go through these different ways that they, they manipulate here. You'll be able to connect and go, oh, okay, I can see how they're doing that thing. In fact, right. I think I went on a rant about thesis May- in that episode. I think you did, if I remember <laughs> right. It, uh, it, it, it's a it, so the, the episode is good, but the article is bizarre in, in that I, I remember, Kyle, when you brought this up to me and you sent this and I'm like reading this article and I'm like, this, this is even weird for for the woke. I mean, this is one of those where you're like, what in the world is going to who who let this get published? In all honesty, I'm pretty sure pretty sure I asked that question. Uh, yeah. But you'll be able to see. It makes sense once you understand these different forms of manipulation. Right. It's bizarre if you're looking for a consistent body of work. Right. Right. And and you know that first form of manipulation, uh, and and I think this is an interesting one, because it's the the no thesis position. The no thesis position, or there is no point, there's, there's no clear stated thesis um, now, now with this, I think this might be one of the ones that's used more often with the woke. Uh, w- w- do you, do you think that's, that's kind of a true statement there? Well, yeah, yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Cause it's really comes down to, and this is something that you should watch yourself because the really popular style of writing online and places like Twitter have, I mean, that's basically, they're a platform for miscommunication because right. they don't allow you to actually clearly state something, uh, especially, you know, old school where it was even shorter. So mm-hmm. it got people into this, this blogging type of mindset, which is a rambling of thoughts rather than a clear, cohesive body of work. Right. But it's, it's leaked into more than that. It's not just blogs that do that. It's become a style of communication online. And so, yeah, I think when you're talking about online works this is incredibly common particularly among the woke but just in general when you read the first paragraph of a body of work you should immediately ask yourself you know stop right there and go okay what is the the point you know they gave me their introduction what's the point what are they going to try and defend and if there's nothing there you're going to be open to manipulation because you're now going to have to, you're going to have to inject your own meaning into it. Right. You you know, when you're talking about this, I'm reminded of uh, Leonard Ravenhill and and definitely not his writing style because his writing style definitely had thesis. Um, But he, he had this, this saying uh, and to, to kind of paraphrase it because you'd say in, in multiple different ways, but it was that the modern preacher is skilled uh, at uh, speaking for a long time and saying nothing, and that's that's ultimately the the concept here of this uh, the, this no thesis is that there's there might be a lot of words there there might even be a lot of intellectually sounding words and intellectually sounding phrases and so therefore they try to say look it is academic it's not a blog style but but if you're kind of going at the end saying I think what they're meaning is this, and you're having to inject uh, this kind of an interpretation on what they're saying, you know that ultimately they don't have a strong thesis and it's doubtful that they have a thesis whatsoever. And it becomes a skill in really, it is a manipulation. Um, The skill of speaking for a long time in saying nothing, especially if you can do it in such a way that you sound smart, because then what ends up happening is that eventually you can get people to follow you because they trust that you've sounded smart when yep. you never made an actual argument. They've been convinced really by manipulation and emotion mm-hmm. as opposed to actual intellectual convincing. Yeah. And this this form right here of just having no clearly stated thesis. Now, obviously, they have a point for what they're saying. Mm-hmm. They're just not telling you what that point is. You can go back and listen to some of our ep- other episodes, like um, Specific Vagueness, Benefit of the Doubt, um, and uh, uh, Sympathy. Yep. Uh, 
you can go listen to those three episodes in particular and you'll realize, oh my goodness, when they they do this, when they they don't clearly state their thesis, it opens up those three in particular just massively, opens the floodgates there because they've you don't have a reference point. Right. You know, an example of this um, or, or a person who does this quite a bit is John Piper. Uh, I, I would say John Piper is really, really known for doing this. I remember one time doing a study on John Piper's um, Calvinism series. He, he had this sermon series, I think it was five or six on on Calvinism, probably five because of five points Calvinism. That would make sense. Maybe there's an intro in there too. But I remember going through this and uh, they're going through it with a study of somebody who was an obvious Arminian. And at the end of it, they were going like, well, maybe I'm a Calvinist. And it's because John Piper would basically go and not actually make a thesis on what these points of Calvinism were. And, I, and I'm not trying to get into Calvinism, Arminianism. That's that's not our, our goal here. But my my point is, is that there was a, a vagueness that was that was there. There was a uh, lack of a thesis in making these statements. Yeah. And it's not just that he does that in his soteriology. He really does this in just about everything. And if you go and you really look at, at Piper, a lot of his theology and a lot of his influence, he's almost like the grandfather of the social justice movement, or at least one of the grandfathers, him and you know Tim Keller. I would call him the crazy-haired uncle. Yes. Yeah, the crazy-haired uncle, perhaps, of the social justice movement. Um, and this this whole idea of really having no thesis, well, he's really done it and really convinced a lot of people in that way. Yeah. Uh, w- what's the next way that the woke use a thesis here? Because now that I got myself in trouble talking Arminianism versus Calvinism, getting everybody <laughs> you, you know, rallied up as I say, I'm like, oh yeah, we're trying to stay away from that, that and focus here on the woke. <laughs> Uh, well, and several of these are going to sound somewhat similar and we're trying to give you some distinctions again, to make you more astute at recognizing these. Uh, but this is an obfuscated thesis. So Mm -hmm. a thesis or at least something resembling one exists, even if it's buried and unclear. So it's not blog style where they just do not have one. It's they do have one but it's not clearly presented. Now, normally Mm -hmm. in writing, you want your thesis to be in your your introduction. And clear. And clear. A style I've seen is where the thesis is actually put, whether even in the conclusion or kind of in the body of the work further down. But again, it sets you up in a way where you have to, because it's your main point, so it's the reference point. It's an anchor you can look back to for all, everything else they're saying. And when you present an obfuscated thesis, it, it doesn't give you that reference point until maybe later, but it forces you to create your own. Now, what they can do with that is when you get the point wrong, they can say, oh, no, 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 that wasn't my point. I stated my point here later in the work. Mm-hmm. It creates... it. Several of these create plausible deniability. Uh, you, you know, I think there's another thing yeah. that they do with this too, Kyle, because it, it, I think you're exactly right, though, that they do create that plausible deniability. But then sometimes they also kind of get you emotionally involved in what they're saying at the beginning and they yeah. draw you in. And then all of a sudden there's a switch in what they're t- actually talking about. But you're already drawn in and you're already committed uh, to the point that the author's making, whether it was, you, you know, through a story that, that didn't really make much sense. In fact, actually, if I'm if I'm remembering right, the article on the oh, Little yeah. Red Hen actually was kind of in this style because it's going in like telling the story, this you know little kid story, and then all of a sudden, in the middle of it, they flip it. I, I don't remember if they stated their thesis at the beginning or no, not. No, um, he did not, which he really, he hits on several of these. Yeah. But yeah, it, no, that, that is an example of that kind of type. He did not say his thesis at the beginning and told a completely irrelevant story 
to then bash on the story in a really weird way and then talk about something completely different suddenly. Right. And that's, that's the thing too, is that it's like, well, if you throw your thesis in at the very end, if you have a nefarious thesis, what ends up happening is that some people will go and say, well, I read two thirds of this article and I didn't disagree with anything. I might've disagreed with the point down here, but it was the actual point of the article. And so then they can honestly say, well, I mostly agree with it. And a lot of people would go and say, I, I did mostly agree with it. But the problem is, is that in that mostly agreeing with it, you're dis- you might have disagreed with the main point. And then when somebody else reads it, they realize that's the main point or they're told mm-hmm. that's the main point. And they said, well, look, this person said, you know, they pretty much agreed with it. Oh, well, that's somebody I trust. I'm going to now go with it. It's It becomes a manipulation tactic. Yeah. Well, and it also, because it's kind of last, uh, you know, wrapping this up on the, the obfuscated thesis point, um, it also allows you to really ramp up your position in making it sound complicated, in showing how mm-hmm. nuanced you are in navigating it. Um, and obviously, one of the the criticisms of, of wokeness is how all the people are being winsome and nuanced on every issue rather than being clear and straightforward and truthful. Right. You can see that's exactly what we're talking about here. That's thesis. That's lack of thesis and this trying to overcomplicate simple issues. But when you make your thesis kind of hidden and obscured in it, it allows you to make the whole thing sound so much more grand and complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, you know, before we come to this next point, Kyle, uh, you, you know, let's, let's tell everybody a thesis of ours. And that is that we want to hear from you. So you can go ahead and email us at Wikipedia media at gmail.com. Uh, no contact Wikipedia at gmail.com. I should get it right. I should get it right. I was, I was trying to, you know, I got a little too cute with trying to throw this into the middle, especially saying it was our thesis, but no, we really do want to hear from you. And so, uh, go ahead and contact us at contact Wikipedia at gmail.com. Once again, that's contact Wikipedia gmail.com. And let us know if you've seen some of these examples of mm-hmm. either sermons or, um, uh, you know, podcasts or writings or, or whatever it might be where people are going in there hiding their thesis or they don't even have a thesis. But in doing that, it's a manipulation in order for uh, pushing people towards woke theology. Let us know if you've seen that and uh, send us an email at contactwokepedia at gmail.com. One thing I should say, uh, make it clear, an article title is not a thesis. You, you know, but that brings us to the next one. Because a lot of times that's where people try to get this, and that's in the clickbait uh, thesis, right? Mm-hmm. Well, but yeah, and you know, the article, when it's this, the article will be something, named something dramatic, and then it'll start off with something Completely overly different. hooky and dramatic. Oh yeah. Well, yep. Y- yeah, yeah. Uh, but this, again, this is really about creating plausible deniability. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is basically the Martin Bailey uh, fallacy. I know that's been a little bit more popularized recently, but if you don't know what that is, it's where you put forward a less defensible position, a more extreme position, and then when called out on it, you back up into the safety of a less extreme, more palatable position, say, no, no, Mm -hmm. my point wasn't this extreme thing. My point's actually this this common thing that we all agree upon. So clickbait thesis is leading with that dramatic thing and then falling back on, no, my point's actually this, despite my introduction and my thesis clearly stating something different. So it allows you to just be like, oh, well, see, I was just being overly dramatic with my hook. Yeah. And the problem is, is that it's really trying to be deceptive is, is the goal there. And the issue that you really run into 
is that a lot of these people, they actually believe the more radical position. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's actually a true Martin Bailey is when you actually believe that radical position, but yep. then you're going and saying, I'm not going to fight there because I know that they're not going to accept that. I know it's not a popular view. So I'm going to come back to the more palatable one for my defense. And, and that's, that's often what happens. So, so an example of this was um, when Kevin DeYoung wrote about uh, family idolatry. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, I don't want to remember that. Yeah. So, so he came out and he he writes about family idolatry, and I think that it had recently been used. Uh, I don't remember who was using it, but it, it had recently. I know been... Russell Moore. Russell Moore did a thing on it, but I think like it was one of those situations where it's like they all shared notes, right? And, and there was a whole bunch of people that wrote on it at the same time. Yeah, and it was it was one of these concepts where it's like the biblical family, the nuclear family, you know husband, wife, children, that's, they're going and saying, some of you have family idolatry and you really have put the family up too high on a pedestal and everything like that. But then when Kevin DeYoung gets called out for it, saying that, because he used that phrase, but he didn't go and define it. So he was using a a different one of these issues with a, uh, the thesis there. He didn't have a thesis really at the beginning or, or he was trying to hide it. But then he comes back and he defends it and he goes, no, 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 no. That's not what I mean. I mean, like if you put your family above God, that's what I actually mean is family idolatry. You know, literally, if you're going in your, 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 uh, you, you know, investing more into your family than you are God, because, you know, Jesus goes and says, says, you know, if a man doesn't hate, you know, his father, mother, sister, brother, uh, his own wife and his, and his life also, if he doesn't hate all those things, you, you know, then he's not worthy to be my disciple. That's what I'm talking about with family idolatry. But that wasn't what he was talking about. It was Amon Bailey. That was going on here because the obvious context about what everybody was using about all of his circle was, well, it was the nuclear family. That was the idolatry trying to go into do a Hegelian dialectic of, you know, thesis, the normal, the antithesis, hitting it and going and trying to create a new synthesis of something new here of, hey, you know, we can still have our families but let's not make that important because we don't want to fight those battles. But that wasn't what was really going on here. Um, is Kevin DeYoung was Martin Bailey-ing it. Yeah. And one of the, you know, one of the quickest ways to recognize this, at least this phrase, when it comes up, I'd say is most often attached to, and this is similar ish to what, what Kevin DeYoung said. But it's the, you must not have read what I actually wrote. Right. So if you bring up their actual thesis, mm-hmm. they'll go, oh, you know, the extreme one, they'll go, oh, you must not have actually read what I wrote. Because here in the body of the work that is judged by the central point, you know, they're trying to detach the two. Mm-hmm. I said something completely different. It's like, no, no, you didn't. Like, you still said the extreme thing. And by function, you built off of it. So yes, I did read you, and I'm calling you out on that thing that was obviously wrong. Mm -hmm. But again, they're using uh, plausible deniability. And this this one in particular gets me, because this is common all over the place online. It doesn't matter if you're woke or not. I see that you must not have actually read what I wrote all the time. If your thesis is not clear enough that people know your main, they can't know your main point, then you're either a liar and you're trying to do, you know, a clickbait thesis type thing, or you have an obscure thesis or no thesis. Right. So the second you make that statement, you've proven that you failed as a communicator. Yes. Do not let someone gaslight you you know, convince you of something that is not true, that is actually true, um, to doubt your own sanity. Do not let someone gaslight you by using that phrase. Call them out on it and say, okay, what was your thesis? What was your right. main point? And how am I misrepresenting that main point? Pull the conversation back. 
Yeah. It, it, and, and, you know, on that point, too, because I think this is important <clears throat> to understand and going and looking for this, one of the main things is, is that you need to slow down just a little bit and not get caught up in the the moment. Because <laughs> I, I, I realize looking back at a lot of my interactions, I've gotten caught up uh, with people who are doing a Mott and Bailey. And you're going, and I'm going, no, what you said was clear. In fact, I heard a lot of times when I just go back and I quote what people say. Yeah. Uh, like, this is what you said right here. But if you stop and you really think about, wait a minute, why are they saying that I'm not understanding them when they made a very obvious statement? Did I misread it? Because I always want to be genuine in my interactions. And so when people tell me I'm not understanding them, I take it to heart and I go back and I reread it five, six, seven, eight, nine, mm -hmm. ten times because I want to understand. But there's another thing that sometimes people do, and it's kind of like a reverse when they'll they'll come at you and they'll say they'll say something that is completely not your thesis because they're trying to go into uh, straw man your point. Yep. One of the things that I would say is that to make sure that you're not getting to a Mont Bailey is restate your thesis back to them. And that's yes. one of the things that I always try yes. to do is is maybe I got caught up in in being a little uh, sometimes I like to get a little cute in what I'm saying or, uh, you know, put a little flair in there. And so go and boil it down. No, 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 no. This is what I'm saying. And it's clear. Yeah. It's right here in my thing. Yeah. So, so make sure you're not being straw man because that's another way people manipulate you kind of on the reverse side, but also quote back to them what they're saying. And then if they're like, that's not what I'm saying, say literally I'm quoting you, you what you're doing is a Mott and Bailey. Yeah. And you don't have to be, you know, we're putting it because we don't have much time to really break down the how you respond part. We're mm -hmm. not telling you to be aggressive with people. You can do this really respectfully. And in fact, it yeah. goes better when you're respectful because if they are manipulating you, you're going to have a better conversation and you're going to be able to lay a trap for them mm -hmm. for them to fall into on their own. Or right. you're going to come to clarity and you're going to find out right. they're going to clarify their point. You're going to go, oh, OK. But, you know, come from it tact tactfully and, and approach it. Yeah, and tactically and approaching it with the the idea of I want to create understanding here. And my under my goals are, are you manipulating or is there a misunderstanding? Right now, similar in a sense of. It's similar in function, but it's completely the opposite of the clickbait thesis is the appealing thesis. And I, I really like this because we talked about this um, ahead of time uh, mm -hmm. when we're going through. This is probably actually on the notes when we're talking ahead of time. This is probably what we spent the most time talking about was mm -hmm. uh, this one and the clickbait one and their relationship. It, it's it's like the 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 positive opposite because it's the same function. It's just reversing the roles. Yeah. Um, and once again, it, it's still all about plausible deniability. Yep. And um, that's the idea of, of building instead of going with the extreme position and then coming back to a palatable one that you actually defend, but you're really holding that extreme position. It starts with a palatable thesis in, in the in introduction, but then it goes and it defends the more radical position afterwards. Yep. So uh, how would you identify this one, Kyle? Well, so this is one you got to be a little bit careful with because the whole point of a thesis is, again, it's that anchor point. It is, this is the point I'm going to defend in the body of the work. So you might say, well, if they're presenting a, a thesis that is palatable, that at least, you know, for, for sake of argument, we're going to say is a true point. Right. And then they're saying something that isn't true in the body of the work, are, but... Isn't the thesis what judges the body, not the body, the thesis? So how, how do you identify when they're doing this and when you're just missing the, missing the point of the body, missing the point of what they're saying? Well, you've got to take the whole thing together, obviously. Yep. But look at the connection. When there's a, 
you know, I, I, let's go back to the the. This isn't specifically what he did in that that Red Hen article, but when you start off with something, in this case, he started off with the story of the Little Red Hen, and then you suddenly jump to something radically different. Mm-hmm. That's an indication because you're you're disconnected from your thesis, and here's a mistake. Um, and now Francis Chan, he does have problems. He does have problems when it comes to woke stuff. He has problems in a lot of other areas too. The man has really gone off into strange, strange territory. But when people, when he was really rising in popularity and people were showing me his stuff, I was so frustrated with him because he'd always start with something and then talk about something completely different. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, but people would give him the benefit of the doubt because they'd go, well, he's st- it's still the same general subject. Yeah. So, But that's, well, it, so, it's. So I've, I've got an example of one that's okay. a little bit, that, that's uh, specific and it's it, it's not as, as radical as the completely changing the subject side of it. But I, but I think it fits this, this uh, fallacy. And that was Tim Keller wrote an article. Um, I think it was published in, I, I want to say the New York Times. It might have been USA Today. Mm. Um, but but it was on, does a Christian fit into a two-party political system? And he goes and he says, basically his thesis is, is that a Christian doesn't fit into a two-party political system. That That's his thesis, at, at least the, the, the starting there. And um, so I've, I've written a rebuttal to this. It's it's on the website, uh, enemieswithinthechurch.com. Um, but I, I go and I say, I actually agree with what he's saying at, at the very beginning. But then he goes and he takes it and he makes the argument that a Christian can uh, can can fit within within Christianity, within orthodoxy, uh, socialism as an economic system. And so therefore you might not fit, because uh, you might be a pro-life socialist. I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing quite a bit. You can go and read the article, the rebuttal that I have and going and doing this, but he's, he, he's going, he's presenting that kind of a position here. I agree that a Christian doesn't fit within a two-party political system because that means that you're always going to be loyal to one party. And, and I'm I'm on record several times uh, saying, um, I don't think that it's always right to vote Republican, mm-hmm. but I never believe that it's right to vote Democrat right now. But that means that sometimes you have to go third party or you have to be going to that right in line when it comes to uh, to, to voting. And so what we see here, though, is that he puts a true, good, okay thesis of Mm -hmm. you might not fit in the system. But then when you come to find out his position, his position really is, see, sometimes you need to go and to accept sin. Sometimes it's okay to go and to accept this, this economic sin or whatever it might be and going and supporting this kind of a party. And that's that's wrong. But does yeah. that is that kind of fitting uh, this well, appealing thesis? Yeah, because it's, it's that idea of starting with a truism that we can all agree upon, and then jumping to a related subject. Because that's really what what Keller is doing there. Although he's doing it in a very subtle way, which you know, give him credit for the fact that he's doing it in a very subtle way. Um, not any positive credit. I'm just saying. Yeah, I, he's just, an intelligent man. But he's taking a subject and then he's taking a related subject in the same field and mm-hmm. plopping them together. So then he can talk right. about the one we agree upon to build credibility for the one that we don't agree upon. Right. With your mind connecting the two, when in reality, again, there's that disconnect. The thesis does not fit with the content. Mm-hmm. And again, Keller does a really good job, specifically in that one, of making it feel like they connect. Right. When his purpose is something, again, purpose, thesis, is actually something completely different in the body. But let's not hash out the entire article. Yeah. 
So that brings us to our our last thesis here um, of how the woke manipulate, and that is, well, I don't know. It's just really irrelevant. Do we even need to get to that point? <laughs> you know, I had to make that joke. You know, I had to uh, go there. Uh, the, yeah. the irrelevant yep. thesis, and, and w- what is the irrelevant thesis? Uh, it's one that's there. So they do have an actual. Like, you read it and you go, "Hey, there's a thesis." There's mm-hmm. the point. I understand this. Okay, I have this expectation. Let's get into the article. But that's it. It was just there to say that the article had a point. It's immediately discarded once the creator starts into what he actually wants to talk about. Now, this is this sounds like it might be similar to the previous two. And in essence, you could kind of categorize clickbait thesis and appealing thesis sort of in the territory of a relevant thesis, but not really because in an appealing thesis, Tim Keller believes the statement that he said. Yeah. So it's not irrelevant. And in Mm -hmm. a clickbait thesis, they're revealing the point that they actually want you to understand in their radical thesis. So it's not irrelevant. Mm -hmm. An irrelevant thesis is truly just one that's there to make you think the article has, has a point. And then you jump to something that is completely radically disconnected. So again, in an appealing thesis, it's going to be two topics within the same broader field or category. This one will be like creating a nice thesis about how I'm going to talk about mathematics. And then I write an article about watermelons and why they're the best fruit. Yeah. (laughs) It's a bait and switch. Right. And, and this is actually something that the woke do quite a bit uh, when when going in and looking at their, their writing, because a lot of times they have to introduce their radical ideas in, in ways that you almost have to be tricked into reading them because you really wouldn't read an article on what they really want to go and to talk about in, in, I would say that this is almost, these ones are almost always written in the blog style, um, Mm -hmm. format. And as you're reading them, it's, it's like they're, they're kind of telling a story. They're starting off with, with this, and this is kind of what they're talking about. And then all of a sudden you notice you're like, well, we're not talking about that anymore. We're talking about something completely different, but it's like they, they justify it by going and saying like, I, I just had to go on a rant about that. So if you're, oh, if you're gosh. listening to it, th- they'll go and they'll say, I just, I just had to rant about that. I just had to get that off my chest. I just had to uh, go in to say that while the whole talk or this, the interview, the subject that they're looking at is supposed to be on something specific, but yep. then they go and they talk about something completely different and it's, it's the bait and switch because it's the idea of you're there to listen to one thing and now you find yourself all of a sudden getting a bunch of propaganda uh, that's emotionally charged about whatever they wanted to talk about, really. Yeah. And where, again, some of these others might have that false expectation set up, but this is where it's just, it is, that's all this is, is 100% false expectation only there's nothing else going on well when it comes to expectation there's nothing else going on um the thesis is strictly there just to have an expectation that the article has some sort of point and then jump to something radically different um but it, it gives you that that freedom again the the other clickbait and appealing thesis they're much more walled in, whereas an irrelevant thesis, you can talk about whatever you want. Right. And, and I think this is why this one is so dangerous, especially when it is in the, the spoken form, because um, you, you can get a lot more emotion communicated that way, mm-hmm. is you can go and say what you want to say, get the radical idea across with out any accountability to defend what you're trying to say. Because a lot of times, like I said, it comes in kind of a ranty type way and they might actually come back to that original thesis uh, or they might just end their broadcast and be like, 
you know, well, today we were, you know, we kind of came in to talk about this, but, you know, this was on, this other thing was on my mind. And I guess that's what we talked about mostly today. <laughs> and, but the whole thing is though, is that when you're, you're listening to this is that now they don't have to defend it and you're left with just what they said. Yeah. And you can you either accept it or you don't accept it. But a lot of people, especially if they're drawn in by the original irrelevant topic, they weren't prepared to think through what yeah. the rant was. Yeah. And that, that really comes down to what this whole thing is all about. Um, these are all about subverting your defenses. How mm -hmm. do we create a situation where your expectations and thus your defenses are bypassed? And there's right. multiple ways to do this, but manipulation, all these different forms of manipulating with the thesis, they accomplish that. Now, they're going to mm -hmm. accomplish that in different ways for different people, for different styles. Right. Uh, again, Tim Keller is a, or was, I should say, a very tactful, very smart man. So he's going to use a certain style. Someone that is does not have that same level of tact, that same level of eloquence, is going to have to go for one of the more basic ones, like just no thesis or a completely irrelevant thesis. Right. Um, anyone can be clickbaity, so that one's easier to do. But again, you're going to see these performed in different ways. And it's important to know the different varieties, the different flavors of how this can be done, because that will help you understand how to recognize them and understand that there's not just one thing to look for. Right. And, you, you know, I think that the the best defense um, against this kind of manipulation is kind of funny because it's it's what we've named uh, the, this episode in a lot of ways, or at least the notes. It's what's your point anyway? You know, after you get done reading something, after you get done listening to something, it's not a bad idea to just write that down. What's your point anyway? And then answer that question from what you've just read, mm -hmm. from what and, you've just watched. Yep. And don't just, you know, write what you think that is. You go to the content and you pull out from the content. Quotes. Quotes. And quotes that... Hopefully they have a clearly stated thesis and you can just write that down. Mm -hmm. But if they don't go into it and pull out the quotes that define the purpose of it, the point. Right. Another powerful question. And this is something that we might talk about in its own episode is define your terms. <laughs> yeah. Define your terms because a lot of times that's how they get away with these, these different uh, manipulations here is that they don't define their terms because going along with the thesis, you have to define your main point. And mm -hmm. that usually comes along with defining your main terms. I am going to be defending this position. This is the key phrase of that position. And this is the definition that I am using. Right. And the reason why we do these episodes, because I think this is important to understand, we're, we're not just wanting to go and to show you what the woke are doing, but we want you so that we want you to be equipped so that you can recognize what they're doing so that you can then make sure it doesn't happen to you and mm -hmm. so that you can pull others out of this manipulation because you're going to yep. have a lot of people that you know who are being manipulated by these simple tactics, getting caught up in the rhetoric, getting caught up in the emotion, getting caught up in the rant, but not stopping and really asking, wait, why didn't they actually continue with their point? Why did they have an irrelevant thesis? Why didn't they have a thesis at all? Wait a minute. Was that just a Mott and Bailey? All these kinds of things that, that, that are going on here. We want you to be able to defend against it. So if you've seen these kinds of things, once again, let us know. Give us a, an email at contactwikipedia at gmail.com. Once again, that's contactwikipedia at gmail.com. And of course, 
check out all of our stuff, um, whether that's on YouTube, on, I didn't say the YouTube, so that's good here. That's good. Glad I didn't say the YouTube. On the YouTubes. Uh, on YouTube, iTunes, I, I really don't know where all our podcast is, but it's pretty much anywhere you get your podcast. Look us up yep. on uh, uh, Wikipedia. Um, and, you know, if there's a place to give us a review, give us a review. Anything else we need to say now that I've completely butchered the end of it? <laughs> well, I just encourage people to, if this is valuable, if this series has been helping you, please share it with others. Mm-hmm. Not for the sake of getting more eyes on us, but for the sake of it being useful. We are making this for the purpose of helping people. Uh, that is our hope. That is our prayer. Um, that is not building us up, but that it is building up Christ's church. So if it's accomplished that, consider sharing it with someone that could use uh, use the advice that we're giving here, the information that we're covering. Um, the other thing I want to say is we also just gave you a, a little bonus thing this week. We gave you some points to consider to help you become a better communicator. That's because true. if you're watching for these things in your own communication, it'll help you be clearer. That's, That's right. one of the important things about knowing these different forms of manipulation. It helps you avoid them in your own life. It helps you see through them in others. It helps you uh, rescue people from being manipulated, and it helps you to not employ them yourself. But I think uh, until next time, you know, you again, contact us con- at contactwokipedia at gmail.com. Uh, you can email us at wikipediamedia at gmail.com, uh, but that's more of a business email. But if you want to get in touch with us for some sort of ministry thing or, um, you know, if you've got some sort of Christian company and you'd like to work with us, we're open to that as well. Uh, so you can email us at, at Wikipedia Media. But Sam, what should people do until uh, next week? I think they should keep standing for the truth. And remember, don't go woke.